1: Join Justin
0: Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish in game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you wait before the show, as you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey
2: everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend, and today we got a uh, special guest, a return guest, so the voice may sound a little familiar. But um first off, before we introduce him and get into the the meat of the episode, which is going to be focused a lot around uh resolutions for this year. Um in the world of wild game, we'll, we'll t- touch a bit on some some successes, some failures, some accomplishments, uh, some plans, uh, some fumbles, whatever you want to call them. We'll, we'll go through it all and then lay out kind of what the pathway forward looks like for this year. Um so, first up, uh, I'll do a bit of news. So, uh, I think the biggest piece is that I ate my black-eyed peas on New Year's Day, uh, which is a key thing if you're from the southern part of the United States. I also learned, Colin told me that uh, Pennsylvania has a tradition. What is it, Colin? Is it brats and brats and cabbage? Uh, pork and sauerkraut. Pork and sauerkraut. Pork sausage or just pork? Any kind of pork. Any kind of pork? Yes, I did, I did like slice up pork loin ooh that does sound good Nick do you have any uh, a New Year's tradition in your region
3: I I don't think we do I may be doing Michigan a disservice um, it might have something to do along the lines of craft beer uh, maple syrup and probably Verners. I'm thinking that's probably going to be, uh, be what it is. Um, we go smorgasbord <laughs> every year. So maybe that's the regional thing yeah. is we just put everything out. If cream cheese is involved, I think, you know, being part of the Midwest, as long as we have com- some sort of cream cheese spread on the table, it, we're good to go.
2: Nice. Perfect. Uh, I did the, uh, I did Hoppin' John, which is a, uh, a very Southern, like kind of Carolina's and then, spread out all over the South, a way to eat uh, black-eyed peas. Traditionally, like growing up, we just put them in the pot with a ham hock, and you just had like a bowl of black-eyed peas or a spoonful. If you were 10-year-old Justin and your grandmother was like, you have to eat it or you're going to have bad luck all year. But I did a little research and a little digging on this recipe and actually found like a really cool uh, article that went into the history of it And so I really tried to focus on creating this recipe that was very centric to it, but it was like a two day evolution because I started the night before and braised antelope shanks in the slow cooker with about four cups of beef stock and some garlic and our waterfowl blend, uh, which turned out really, really well. And then next morning I got that up, shredded it, set the reserve liquid aside and then soaked my black-eyed peas, so I used dried ones, uh, soaked those, and then did the whole like uh, bell pepper, celery, onion, garlic, all minced up, put through some bacon in the Dutch oven, let it get a nice crisp on it, pulled that out, put the uh, all the veggies in there, sauteed them up, then put the beans in, or the peas in, and then added the reserve liquid and cooked that But to add another layer to it, I added the antelope back in after it was shredded at the end and then took the rice, because it uses the dish calls for rice, and cooked it in the method. So when you go on the internet and you Google Hoppin' John, you will often see people serving the black-eyed peas atop rice. The traditional method, because that style of cooking was brought over from Africa, um, was that you cook the beans and the rice together. So think like a lot of the way the Caribbean countries do African countries and like kind of modern times. So I did that and that just soaked up the rest of that, uh, that liquid from the braise. And oh my gosh, talk about like an amazing, delicious flavor. It, It was phenomenal. We had some friends that, uh, We're celebrating New Year's Day in Japanese fashion and had all these, like, Japanese uh, dishes out and all kinds of stuff. It was, like, a table full of awesome stuff, and uh, I took that over as, like, our contribution, and I just got the dish back today, and the guy told me he's like, my wife uh, had never had black-eyed peas before – And I got two bites of the dish and then I came back and all the, the entire dish was gone. And I was like, well, I guess that's (laughs) a good sign. He's like, no, we absolutely loved it. So got my good luck for the year and uh, made a delicious antelope uh, recipe. So was pretty, pretty stoked about that. Colin, how about you? Uh, Oh, wait, I got one more update. Sorry. Um, Next weekend, depending on which week, this weekend or next weekend, depending on which week you're listening to the show, it will be the weekend of January uh, 12th through the 15th. So Thursday, the 12th through the 15th of January, I will be at the International Sportsman's Expo uh, here in Denver. So if you're there, come by and say hello. Our booth number is 211, and then I am presenting three different times. So I'm, I'm talking on Friday. I'm talking on Saturday and on Sunday, so I'm going to talk, uh, do a presentation, uh, I guess presentation, discussion, whatever you want to call it. Uh, On Friday, it's going to be field care, transportation, and butchering, and then um, Saturday, it's going to be dispelling myths about wild game, and then Sunday, I'm going to do cooking wild game best practices and tips. So if you want to come hear me speak or come say hello or buy spices, we'll have spices, we'll have hats, we'll have t-shirts, we'll have... Uh, a bunch of swag there so if you're going to international sportsman's expo please stop on by um outside of that i think that's all i got colin what updates do you got buddy
1: so i don't have excuse me i don't have any uh real hunting updates um might get out for some waterfowl here soon but uh for christmas dinner i made uh annie from peak to plate i made her corned. well she called a corn venison but i used elk corned elk um Excuse me, beer braised corn to elk recipe. Uh, I made it once before. It was, I think, it's the best thing I made out of my uh, elk so far. Um, yeah, it turned out delicious. I was still eating it up until yesterday, two days ago, I think. Just like reheating it in the pan, um, it's awesome. Made some good Reuben sandwiches out of it. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. I got part of my whitetail back. Um, my mom brought it out when she came out here for the holidays. Yeah, so I got a couple roasts and a couple, a uh, couple different cuts from my whitetail, and then I'm waiting on the uh, bologna nice. ice that's still back in Pennsylvania. Ooh. And uh, other than that, no, there's there's not really much going on here. It's just cold, cold and rainy out here. So that's pretty much it.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce uh, Nick for the reminder for those folks that, that may. Uh, recognize his voice uh, so Nick was with us back on episode 306 uh, family and food um, of this show and then I've been a guest on Nick's uh, podcast the Huntboard podcast a couple times actually what it's like an anniversary because it was almost this time last year I was on your show
3: it was it was it was maybe yeah we're like a week or a couple days off so it is it's like a reunion back together
2: <laughs> get the band back together.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: um, so as i mentioned nick's the host of the hunt of war podcast he's a hunter wild game cook and a, a family man so welcome back to to our show i, I excited to have you back and uh, it's funny when we were discussing topics uh, as we were playing out january i was like let's do a resolution one and i was like i want to get nick nick had me on his show and we talked resolutions like let's do the same so here we are, uh, not very creative of me, but still it should be a fun conversation. <laughs> it is. It's relevant. I feel like even somebody who's not
3: into resolutions, I, I, fo- I tried my, my hardest not to get wrapped up into, uh, you know, new year, new me. Because I want to change everything about me mm-hmm. and I'm going to go to the gym and then only last a couple weeks. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that are in that same boat. But that's not to say that there's not an excitement about the new year. There's not. An, there is an excitement about. Hey, 2023 is here. I have a new 365 in front of me. Really, what what are some of the directions that I want to go? What are some of the things that I want to try um, that are different than 2022? You know, either you know you're coming off your your high of last year, or you're you know licking your wounds and getting yourself back up, depending on whatever that is. Being able to look ahead and just to I don't know, be excited about opportunities and to be able to plan out a couple things is something that is relevant. And I'm not going to change my life, but at the same time, what is it that I've been having aspirations to do? And now this is why while you're motivated, this is the chance to do that. So whether it's out in the woods or whether it's in the kitchen, like to have those plans ahead of you. A lot of us in the country right now have stuff in our freezers right now, just open basic they're just open for interpretation you know you've got big cuts you got little cuts this is the time that you want to be thinking about that especially if you're wanting to be cooking something grand like this is a lull between holidays and stuff so now we're going to have a chance like the next big one is like what easter that's the next big holiday like you've got a little bit of chance to to think about it um unless you're playing something for, for valentine's day i totally forgot about valentine's day sorry sorry wife, she'd probably, she would probably appreciate something, but anyway, that's like the next thing, so you got like a month to prepare for that, so anyway, I think, I still like the new year.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, I think it, it's a great time to, to sort of think about, uh, think about what to look forward to, to start planning, to start, you know, I've seen tons of things, like uh, the BHA, the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, their AFI group, posted recently uh, a series on Instagram of like uh it was like 10, 10 wants or 10 hopefuls for for the year and they went to everything from like conservation to like hunting dreams like you know what tags would you draw or like what gear do you want to get and i thought it was like a really cool way to sort of do that because i mean yeah why not i I could think about that i could think about the dream elk hunt like had a rough elk year this year this past year so high hopes for this next year like uh i think it's it's a good time for that and when you start thinking about food you know some are fortunate to have a full freezer and well you know the clocks tick until you know september october next year when the seasons start opening back up so gotta do something with that meat um Now's the perfect time to think about that, like as you mentioned. But since we're kind of talking about last year, uh, let's do a quick look back. And so what I'll do is I'll just throw the question out there and we kind of go in order. So Nick, I'll let you go first, then Colin, and then I'll follow up at the end uh, sort of with mine. But we can feel free to tell stories, whatever, uh, elaborate on on the questions or comments uh, that I've got, and uh, we'll go from there. So looking back on 2022 – uh, from a hunting perspective, what do you think your greatest success of 2022 is?
3: 22 was a great year because I got to chance to do the Out West experience. Um, put in for a couple points to get an archery uh, tag in Montana. And we did the full-on DIY adventure. So just getting there was already like a win in our uh, it, like just the wind in our sails we felt like man we're actually doing this we're out here and coming from Michigan I mean swamps flatlands woods and to all of a sudden go into wide open spaces and to go into elevation like we were we thought we had done work I know I thought I had done a lot of getting my body prepped I was hauling around I took a a tube sand, which is 60 pounds, and I wrapped it in duct tape so it wouldn't split open, and I was carrying that around up and down hills all over here in Michigan, and I felt like I can handle this, and the first climb of the first day, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> this is going to kick my butt. <laughs> but we, we were naive enough to not know when to quit, so we kept hiking, we kept getting to the tops of the mountains, and pursuing and tracing and so even as our first trip out we had several experience with not just like one elk but several elk on the trip we we ended up putting uh, an arrow in one way, right square in the shoulder bounced right out so we drew blood but that was that was it we actually heard him bugling above us as we went and tried to track him down so we got close enough for that to happen from a buddy taking a shot I did not take a shot, but I did have a spike come in at five yards. He worked his wow. way he came in across a clearing, came down a hill, and he's working towards me and i I knew well in Montana, the spikes are not legal. you cannot shoot a spike, so I left my bow at my side uh you know had my hand on it ready in case something else came through. But we had our caller behind us, and here comes this spike coming in. He turns at 45, and he's just kind of just trying to sniff the air to see what was coming. And luckily, the wind was going away or coming towards me, so he couldn't smell me at that moment. But then he worked into 25. And then at 15, he's trying to look through me to find where this cow is behind me. He saw me as part of the tree and so to just to see his experience to see his eye move and to be able to his head bob and just get every detail of this creature my my heart hit was just going through my chest and i was just trying to do everything i could to stay calm and in that moment too i'm like man this is a horse essentially a horse with spikes on its head that is that could freak out at any moment it could realize i am something so like my only in my, yeah, in my Michigan brain was, oh, well, I'm going to roll underneath this pine tree. That's my only <laughs> route of escape in case he decides to try and run me down. But he ends up walking past me at five yards. There was a clearing and he walks behind me. And it, I mean, shoot, two seconds after he got behind me, he sniffed me and turned inside out and booked it out of there. It was an experience like he. He, if, if he was legal to shoot, he was gone. He was dead. I would have definitely taken him. But at the same time, to just have that experience to be that close to that animal that we had been up and down mountains, literally hiking our butts off to get to, like, that was a very cool experience. So I didn't get any elk meat on that trip, but I put that as one of the greatest successes, is that our first year out there, we heard elk, we got on elk, and we got some really cool experiences. So that was like probably our pinnacle of 2022. Um, and then I am going to add the second one in there is that when I did come back to Michigan during archery season, uh, sat on the ground and I had my oldest son with me, and I gave him the uh, I gave him the the thumbs up, thumbs down on what was going to live, what was going to die. And so I turned around when I, we had a doe come in, she was a small doe, but I turned and looked at him and he gave him the thumbs up, like, boom, take her dad, let's get this done. So we ended up putting her down and he got to be a part of not only that, but the tracking, the gutting, he, uh, he got to step in and use the sharp knife. Uh, he's an eight year old right now. So he got to use a sharp knife and we worked on some boning techniques. We worked on how to hold the knife, uh, worked on some of the etiquette too, as far as like You know, if you don't want to get buddy, cut towards a buddy. Like, you want to put that tip away. And so, we were working on that. And so, it was fun and exciting to have him be a part of what I love. And I'm not going to push him to do it, but at the same time, for him to be on his own terms, be like, I'm going to join in. I'm going to take part in this. That was super rewarding. So, those are my two highlights from 2022.
2: Nice. That's awesome. Holy smokes. What's some cool experiences. Like, those... uh... Definitely being out and doing the Western hunt, like that's the, you know, a lot of folks will say like, that's the full, the full getting into Western hunting, especially chasing elk during archery season is nothing easy. Cause those, those creatures are everywhere, but that moment to get to share with your son and sort of being teaching, like I could definitely see, uh, I was thinking about that too. And I'll, I'll add my, my moment in there, which is very similar. But, uh, Colin, what do, you, what do you got? What greatest success of 22? <clears throat> um, I'd have to say
1: probably my September archery elk hunt, even though I didn't end up harvesting an elk, uh, but it was my first archery hunt in general. So just kind of like learning the, the way around back there with a uh, using a bow, carrying it, the different calls and everything, how the elk move and everything like that. Uh, it was a blast, so i mean i didn't get any elk, but i'd say that was probably my biggest success um, A close second would be getting my white tail just that was my first white tail but um yeah that was that was a that was a fun hunt it was tree stand hunting, so you' are just sitting there but um still that was all that was all pretty good but yeah, definitely the elk i have to say um the elk hunt. I did end up going out with a buddy later. I I talked about this before uh, for the rifle Mm -hmm. season and he got, he got one and I ended up getting some of the meat from that. So my freezer is still full um, for a little while, but yeah, we're gonna have to go with that one.
2: Nice. No, those are really good too. Like something about uh, archery elk hunting that, that does not present itself as easy. Like all the social media posts, all the, you know, stories that people have of, of elk encounters and um seeing elk like that is such a small like sliver of what it's actually like and maybe i'm just a really bad elk hunter but i feel like there's more time spent to field not seeing elk than there is uh seeing elk so uh and then Um, much less getting them within archery range
1: yeah i think that's the biggest problem we saw plenty of elk uh during the season and had a few close encounters like they got pretty close but uh just could never land them um i there are a couple things that i learned from this elk season that are uh well i guess there's yeah, one big thing um people, a lot of people say that Roosevelt elk out here don't call that much that is not true uh they were bugling their heads off the entire the whole rut <laughs> um so i mean it's it's very dense forest so The sound doesn't carry quite as far, so maybe that's what people are thinking, but still, when you have an open area, like a valley or something, I mean, you can hear them from a mile away, easy. Um, That and Roosevelt elk and Rocky Mountain elk are two almost completely different species and hunt styles. I mean, you're not doing Rocky Mountain... At at any... You're not doing, like, the wide-open space Rocky Mountain elk hunt. At any given time, there were probably, like, Thirty to forty elk within a mile of us, and you just can't see them. You just
3: don't know where they are. Um, they're just lurking. Yeah, anyway. That's the best best way I could say it is they're just yeah, always lurking. lurking. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So back to your point about uh, like the social media stuff with elk hunting and everything. Yeah, it's not nobody's, you, you watched, like, uh, was it Born and Raised Outdoors or something, and those guys are taking down, like, these massive elk and everything. It's like, yeah, they also take, like, two months off during the year to go elk hunt, like, how many different states. But, yeah, I, I noticed that, too. I kind of took a break from, like, looking at the social media posts during elk season because I just didn't want to see, like, all these
3: all the successes on there,
1: but nobody's posting all their failures.
3: <laughs> I would say the reactions, too, you'd see on... Like, you're talking about the social media people there, Colin, that they they pop up yeah. and, you know, the, the, you hear a scream and everybody's, like, hooting and hollering. And you're, like, I feel like they're they're embellishing that. But at the same time, like, we would be on top. We would just get done with a hike. We'd get to uh, a spot and we would call. And it's, like, it took a lot of effort to get to the spot where we're now calling. And so to hear something, it really, like, it did. It welled up a lot of emotion just because of how much effort we had to expend to get there. We hear one on the other side of the valley. So we get to the other side of the valley. We're sweating. We're huffing and puffing. We let out a call and he's still there. And I felt like just like those same guys, like all this excitement would just well up in you. You're so excited you haven't sealed any sort of deal but the fact that it's like we are we're on the same side of the mountain as this thing. Like I can begin to yep. start to relate a little bit with their victories that they get. Now, yeah, like when it comes to like sealing the deal and being able to get on that and make the shot, you know, that's that. If if I was going to do that, you bet you would see my face all over social media. I would hit every platform. With that footage, and probably posted a number of times, so I do not blame these guys for when they bring down something huge and <laughs> no. they're like, "Share it to the world that's <laughs> thats no, big not not d yeah. slinging right there <laughs>
2: <laughs> i uh i'll I'll save my elk story for my greatest failure. Um, well, yeah. So greatest success for me, I think, uh twenty twenty two was doubling up on antelope in Wyoming very unexpectedly. Um I I've, if you go back to our like uh I forget which episode number it is, but it's like they come up from the ground or they rise up from the ground talking about mule deer in Wyoming. Uh but at the beginning part of that I talk a lot more detail about uh how the antelope came to be. And essentially like we were hunting for mule deer and ended up climbing up, up and over this ridgeline into what was like this uh, unsuspecting valley. And down in this valley was like a Boone and Crockett quality um, antelope. But I carried, was carrying two doe tags, which is fine because I was there for the meat. My main focus was mule deer. But then I ended up like, going down, stalking like a half mile, between a half and three quarters of a mile to get down within like 160 yards of where this herd was at. Came up out of a creek bottom, set up, made a perfect like double lung shot, dropped, dropped the first doe, and then that was kind of like my plan. I was like, all right, I'm 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 done. Like I'll take care of this. The herd, for those that hunt antelope normally just like, haul ass, they're gone, like in the next county. Well, they ran 30 yards up on this like hillside and just stopped. And they were all just like looking back at the doe. They were looking, you know, in the direction the shot came from, trying to figure out what's going on. So I was like, well, I don't think this opportunity is going to present itself again. And like, I don't know if I'm going to have another opportunity. So I picked a doe out of the herd. She was facing like completely square in front to me. And I just put the sights right on the middle of her chest and gave it a squeeze. And she toppled over backwards and fell right there and i was like two antelope one herd like holy smokes and then we got them and uh packed them out and that was it but yeah that was to me i was just like holy smokes that just happened um without even intending or making it part of the plan completely unplanned but uh in in the words of uh oh gosh i can't remember his name i love it when a plan comes together i guess or sort of not oh is that Hannibal? Yeah. what's his new name? <laughs> yeah Hannibal. yeah <laughs> yeah um anyway it, it it worked out so and then my second is uh I, my daughter went through hunter's ed uh this year and i i sat with her through the whole course and you know she she took the course she proved herself that she has the beginnings of a of a safe hunter and uh is ready to get out there and do some small game and some waterfowl and things like that. So I'm pretty stoked, pretty stoked to have her as a hunting buddy. She's pretty solid. She can put in some miles. Colin can attest. He's been out with us with her, and yep. she's just like goes and goes.
3: Yeah, um, good deal, good deal. Is your course in yeah. Colorado? Uh, is it the three weekends where you have to show up, or have they gone the digital and then have a field uh, field day, or is it all all in person?
2: So they have the option to do partially online and then you go get your certification because you have to shoot a uh, firearm. So you have to demonstrate you can like safely load it, unload it, shoot it, or load it, shoot it, unload it, whatever. Um, so that is, is one portion of it. But the way the in-person works – and we went to the, we went to the actual uh, CPW headquarters here and took it from like the main instructors because um, they have an indoor range and it's all just like right there very convenient and uh it's one day of instruction and then the last day they finish up the instruction do the shooting and then you take the final exam so
3: nice two days in and done that's good
2: yeah yeah not too bad
4: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Let's see. So, but we can't really talk about successes without talking about failures because this is a podcast based on real life. So we're not going to (laughs) hide the failures from you. We're going to exploit them for the sense of entertainment. Um, So... I'll I'll kick it over to Nick first. Greatest failure of twenty twenty two.
3: Um, it it was it was, it was like a repeated kick in the groin. Uh, my all my failures. Yes, I have to have to. They actually they all have to do with my groin <laughs> area, because uh, all through archery season, I have we've got this big nanny dough and she is just she i I don't know if it's attuned to my scent i don't know if it's attuned to the situation she had a sixth sense, but there was a number of times where uh the small herd would come through it was it's like six does that all work together and she she never leads the pack she's always kind of middle and hanging behind but they would come into a scenario, and I've got a number of experiences. and It, it would be an evening or it would even be a morning. They would be coming down the path, and I've set up. I'm 25 yards from where they're, they're eventually going to cross, and she wouldn't like the situation. And she would turn that whole little group around. You'd just hear meh, meh, and she would turn that whole little group around and take off. The first couple would probably be right there where I could take them but it's like no no I want I want the big one and she just wouldn't present that. And then there would be a night where I wouldn't hear anything. It would be still. I maybe the wind would swirl a little bit and 90 yards behind me you'd hear shh, shh, and I knew that that was her. She was blowing way back there. She just sniffed me out and she was just a thorn in my side all during early October. Granted, it's so thick where we're at that, you know, they can be right there and you would never know it. So I'm sure she had a lot of experience with just kind of like, well, I've experienced hunters in this area. Oh, yep, there's that, there's that idiot Nick again. We're gonna, not, we're not gonna go this way. So <laughs> luckily, she has just, she has just been, she just knew me. She could read me like a book. Um, I then, uh, I saved that for one of these successes because I did take a uh, deer with firearm. And it it did happen to be this doe. So I, ultimately, I, I was have about won. to say,
2: was it was it her? <laughs> it was her.
3: Well, she had I don't know if she got smucked by something or got in a fight with something, but she had this like rounded snout to her on the front on her nose instead Ooh. of coming down flat. It was it was rounded like a, I don't know if she had like a, a growth there or like a bruise or like broke a bone and then it had a growth. But anyway, she had this rounded hump on the front of her, and yeah, she came out at sixty yards. Uh, and this was with firearm and I have, I honestly, this was the first year that I took a deer with a firearm. Everything has been with a bow, which has been super wonderful. Um, but I had the opportunity to do some firearm season because a lot of my season, especially during rut for archery was taken from me. My own body was working against itself. I experienced kitten stones for the first time in my life and I never want to experience them again. Uh, I had first one. Um, I actually had to, because the kids were in bed, I'm wrenching in pain now. I can't, there is no place for me to even move or, or go. And I thought it was, I thought I strained myself because I was cutting up a buddy's deer earlier that night. And it was just kind of like the pain started to set in a little bit. And I'm like, man, do I have to poop really bad? Like, I don't know what's going on with this, but we finished cutting up (laughs) his deer and I get into the house and go to bed and then all of a sudden it was just like this thing sets in and so i drive myself to the hospital we don't want to get the kids involved with this they're sleeping they got school the next day so i i drive to the hospital and i'm like you got to figure something out here like here's all here's my insurance here's my information just give me something and so they hit me with some uh some meds they go in do a uh an mri and an ultrasound and they're like yeah bud you got kidney stones just got to pass them. Have fun. <laughs> That's really how they set me out the first time. And so the first one I did pass was four centimeters, not four centimeters, excuse me, four millimeters. I know, doesn't sound very big. Yeah, it sounds big. But the way that it's coming out is, <laughs> it's huge. And so everything was going good, but then I had these pains come back again, and it wasn't letting up. So I go back into the hospital again. And this time they noticed that the one behind it, there was another one, and this one actually got lodged. It did what that tanker did in the Suez Canal. It all of a sudden veered too far and wedged, it, wedged itself in my uh, oh. in my tube there going down into my bladder. And so it wasn't going to go anywhere. It was just going to be excruciating pain. So they actually went in um, arthroscopically, took that one and another one out. There's none no... Those were the only two that were left. They looked through my kidney and saw that, you know, there's, there's nothing else that's going to be there. They gave me a stint that I had to have go from my kidney and run down into my bladder that I would then have to pull out later. That was a whole nother experience. But after that, like two weeks of going through all this mess, like it was so nice to finally like feel well enough to get back into the woods. So I did kind of rob a little time, um, and get into the firearm season. I normally only get a couple days. Um, but Thanksgiving is kind of like the second opener for me. So in Michigan, November 14th is the traditional opener for firearm. And then um, because I'm working at the turkey farm, I don't do a whole lot during firearm season, not until the actual day of Thanksgiving. So I get up early even though it's a holiday, and I go out, and that's a nice, like, kind of, like, reinvigorate re-energize, there we go, re-energize the the season uh, with like a second opener there, and that's when this doe walked in, so it kind of made up for all the pain and suffering that I went through that I was able to take something with a firearm. So yeah, that's my two failures is I had a doe that just was a thorn in my side and the kidneys, but ultimately through those failures, I think I'm a better hunter from the whole thing.
2: Nice, no, it's uh man, sorry, I had to go through that that's that sounds pretty terrible, but I think in the end, uh made up for it with the dough who sounds like uh, definitely caused a lot of uh heartache and frustration in the the beginning part <laughs> yeah. the The question I had is uh have you have you eaten any of of her the meat yet is is she tasty? Is she like, yes, this is the juice is worth the squeeze?
3: <laughs> absolutely um we haven't had the tenderloins yet i froze those um i want to do i want to do tartar, tartar again with those so i'm giving those a good hard freeze and then we'll, we'll bring those out and we'll try that again um but i what do we have oh the uh inside uh round eye round inside round mm. salmon cut depends on which side of the atlantic you're on but we used those uh, we made some stir fry and that was a home run with, with our kids. They really enjoyed that up. That was a that was a full clean plate club. I took a picture actually of the five plates that were I mean, licked clean of, of all of that. They uh, they really enjoyed that. I mean, any time that you can serve rice and tortilla along with venison and yeah, the kids were just I mean, yeah, they were just soaking that stuff up. So it all in all it was a win and yeah, they she's she tastes beautiful. She's a great Michigan doe. Uh, you know, she's got, she's got her good corn fed on her. At the same point, with all that fat that was still <laughs> lingering on her hind side. But yeah, a lot of brows to her. Tastes like venison, but at the same time, I'd have it no other way.
2: Yeah, I like it, Colin. Greatest failures, twenty twenty two. Um, I would say my biggest
1: failure. I mean the biggest literal failure was when i tried to shoot a bear with an arrow and it went behind it and my arrow bounced up into the forest and lost that one um yeah i don't know if i really had any other ones um i think i was I was very methodical i mean not to say like oh yeah it didn't fail at all but i don't know i was very methodical about how i did everything this year um maybe like understanding the uh like the elk rut a little bit more i would probably would have gone back and and researched a little bit more um and kind of like elk hunting techniques and stuff cuz i was out there i was checking every day uh i think i did 21 i hunted 21 days total during that month of september uh and only five of them were the rut and so until then wow. it was like you know i was just i was just putting miles down and not seeing anything I probably could have saved a lot of time and effort. Um had I just understood it a little bit better.
2: But uh yeah. yeah. Yeah, possibly. Um man, I think greatest failure 2022 for me is I'll say not getting out hunting as much as I wanted to, not getting out fishing as much as I wanted to. But um I think like from a uh, uh, a hunting, like in the moment perspective is that I, I had a third season mule deer tag here in Colorado and I went up like my last day uh, of the season. I only had the morning to go up and I hiked up, uh, into this pretty steep mountain like it was snowy and icy and i definitely fell a few times going back down the mountain uh which was probably kind of a safety concern i learned my lesson from that uh that crampons and like this the things you put on your boots so you don't slide around in the, the snow and the ice actually uh lightweight ones work really well when there's snow out uh to go hunting and gives you some extra traction that's a lesson learned along the way um but uh i got up to the top of that ridge and saw tracks in the snow and was like oh this is perfect and started like following the tracks and quickly saw a deer like 400 yards away bedded down um i had it in my mind that it was a mule deer buck which was the tag i was carrying i just couldn't from that distance see antlers so um i uh moved to get closer and closed down to probably Think about 2:30 uh with the use of one lone pine tree on a hill I just kept it between myself and where the deer was and moved up but he was with a herd of other deer and um I was you know in the buck brush like with binos trying to like determine if this was a spike buck cuz in Colorado uh it has to be 5 inches or more or it's considered uh antlerless um so I was Judging that and then he turned his head and I was like, it's a forky. I was like perfect that takes all the doubt out of my mind and um, Now I'm ready to go. So he was laid down like with his feet curled up laying on his stomach looking Not in my direction He was looking up the hill But the does around him started to kind of sense something weird was going on with me And I just couldn't get a comfortable shot like I was resting it on my knee, but it was just at the level that the buck brush was. So I would just see buck brush and then the deer. And I couldn't find a steady, comfortable shot to just make a front frontal shot, like right on him as he laid down. Um, and he wasn't turned. He wasn't, he wasn't quartered at all. He was literally just facing the exact straight direction I was. So, um, I decided just to kind of wait a little bit wait a little bit. And then my decision point of like, I'm going to move a little closer and a little bit to the left to try to like get it. And I noticed at that point there was like a doe that was like locked on me that I hadn't previously seen. And I was like, I am just going to keep my scope on this deer. And as soon as he stands up, mule deer inevitably stand up, run a little bit and stop. Um, well he stood up, and moved before i could get comfortable to get a shot and then instead of running like 40 yards and stopping like they normally do he ran like 100 yards and pushed it out to probably i think i ranged it after it was like 350 which is about 50 50 yards higher than my comfort zone but i i pushed myself and made a shot and didn't didn't uh make contact but i keep replaying in my head is like should I've just taken the shot you know while he was laying down like should I've just done it um but i think to me that was just a i i think it's probably best that i waited and and a clean miss is a clean miss but i also like was super frustrated at myself because i was like i could have just shot and taken the deer but oh well lesson learned yeah but yeah i
3: i kind um, i want to want to jump on that like the fact that you consciously met because the whole idea is, is we're we're here for me. I'm not. Yeah, you needed the forky to make sure that you could make a kill. But in a lot of senses, like I'm not really concerned. I'm on the top of its head. I'm I'm looking here to fill my freezer. I'm looking here to to mm-hmm. you know to satisfy the the hunger of my family and to make a rushed shot to make a. Yeah, I could sneak one in there. To take a risky shot in a setup that is not in your favor is both not good for the animal itself. There's a chance that things are going to go wrong, especially if you got archery tackle. Uh, but even at the range that you're talking about, like, man, that's a long ways to be making a shot. There's a lot of time between pulling the trigger and then that bullet in the air to where then the animal's going to move. And so my big takeaway, I would say as far as lessons learned, kind of goes along with that same idea that I want to be as confident in that shot. And if that means letting a so-so opportunity walk away, ultimately that's that's the best thing that could happen because now I'm not having to track an animal and let meat go to waste. Let's be honest. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. We, we play through, uh, we don't want the animal to suffer I I don't. I don't want the animal to suffer, but at the same time, I don't want the animal to suffer so now it's got adrenaline in its system that it's going to make my meat taste sour. I want to have the fresh meat. I don't want it to know that I'm there. I want it to be comfortable, and I want it to drop as quick as possible. If that means missing or not taking—I don't want to say missing an opportunity, but not taking an opportunity and waiting for one that best presents itself as something with more confidence— that is what I think I've taken, at least from, from this season. And just judging by what you're saying, you're presented with this iffy shot. Why take it? But then at the same time, you get caught up in yeah. all the action. You take the shot. Hey, mm-hmm. you know what? You know, Thank heavens that it was a clean miss. Because now you're out there trying to track an animal that's going to be all stressed out. You're going to have a little bit of a sourness to that animal once you finally get up on it. Or if you end up finding it.
2: Yep. Yeah. And I, I I think that's definitely a good takeaway and it's just like I still roll it through my mind. I'm like one of those that I'm like <laughs> bad shot, miss the opportunity that I didn't take, like I roll it through my head just like I'm like oh, I I don't you know. Play Should have not done it, like Yeah. <laughs> Constantly. So I don't know, Colin, uh lessons learned uh twenty twenty two along the way. Um
1: yeah, I mean, aside from everything just that I learned during the elk hunt about, like, how elk move during the rut and before the rut and afterwards and everything, um, <laughs> I'd say uh, scout a lot. Do scout as if you were actually out there hunting for a day. So if you're going to be hunting all day, go out and scout for an entire day. Don't just, like, walk in for a couple hours and then expect that you that you know everything that's going on in a certain area. Um that happened a couple of times, you know. I, I, my preseason scouting, I thought was going to turn out. I thought what I saw during preseason scouting was going to be basically what I saw during the season, and it's not like that. Not a, not all the time, at least. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it was close, but not all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's my biggest lesson yep. learned: is you know practice slicky play. So scout for a whole day if you're going to be out there for a whole day hunting.
2: No, I think that's that's a pretty valuable tip too. Yeah um so let's switch gears a little bit and i don't think we're gonna get through all the show notes uh but we'll we'll get through as much we may not be able to do let's make a meal or we can do it quickly at the end but let's talk uh maybe let's just do one uh we'll we'll, we'll just combine them so from a wild game cooking perspective as we look back on 2022 Nick, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment?
3: My greatest accomplishment. Um, it started out actually early on in the year. I wanted to use, I wanted to use uh, liver specifically. Um, I didn't want to do liver and onions. If I were to say that there's a traditional meal, um, liver and onions is pretty traditional here in Michigan. It's traditional that. M- Everybody has had it, everybody doesn't like it. It's tired and it needs either <laughs> something to revitalize it or liver needs to be used in some other way. And so I I reached out and I I have a, a brother in law who got into pasta making and I said, you know what? Let's just let's just go for the full on home run on this one, full swing. Let's learn pasta, let's make a stuffed pasta. And let's use venison liver in the whole thing. And it ended up being one of my favorite dishes of the full full year. Um, And it's a venison uh, liver and onion mousse stuffed ravioli. So I made this little ravioli with that stuffed mousse of liver and onion. Um, I used some cognac in there and a good load of cream and a good load of stock that was in that. And you just whip that up. And that, it just had this smooth flavor to it you could tell that there was liver in there but it wasn't this irony punch you in the face real um real grittiness Ooh, it was smooth yeah it was smooth and the onion really played really well with the sweetness off that it really jumped out at you a little bit but just having a bite size of it it re- it wasn't like taking a bite out of a liver it was like this was presented in a way that really was was friendly but at the same time, totally elevated. It really took the animal and elevated what it did, what it can be. Um, so learning how to roll out these big sheets of uh, pasta, being able to put it on, we got a little press, which was actually super nice. So then I just made the little wells, and I had pre-made up the moose, and I squeezed them into each of the little wells, put the second sheet on top, and then you run a rolling pin over, and it makes your perforations. You pop them out, you put them in the freezer, and then you can have them whenever you want. I uh, I went full Michigan on this. I was able to get a hold of morel mushrooms. So to complete the whole thing is I had ramps, morel mushrooms in a brown butter sauce, and I tossed all of that in with these raviolis that just got done up in some water, just enough to make them al dente. Holy smokes, that meal was oh, man. it was just dynamite. It just blew me away, and. I was sharing it on my story, and now it's like it's we're coming back around. I've already got, uh, I've got. Do I have two? Yeah, I got two livers in the freezer right now, and two of the or the one liver is dedicated to just raviolis. We started, we made fifty of them. Um, eight makes a meal. Eight. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a fat kid at heart, so like ten tend to where my meal is at, but like eight <laughs> makes a meal. So I was able to feed a couple friends uh with this but at the same time I got like one bag left so like that's gonna be of that batch but we're gonna make another big batch of these hopefully make like a hundred of them or so so we could really like stretch them out throughout the year.
2: Oh nice. I like it. That's no, that's awesome. Uh Colin, what do you think? Greatest accomplishment wild food perspective. Um
1: I would say breaking down my friend's elk all by ourselves. Uh, I hadn't really broken one down into like separate cuts and everything before, so doing that in his kitchen was a lot of fun. But um, And it was educational for sure, just about like where everything goes, how to keep it clean, you know, how to prepare it. It took us like two or three days or something to go through all of it. Um, yeah, that's probably my biggest wild game accomplishment this year.
2: Nice. I like that. That's a big one. Did you guys do like the seam cuts? So like kind of following the muscle tissue yeah. and, and, uh, going that way. Yep. Nice.
3: And, yeah. Vacuum sealed yeah. Vault. He, uh Breaking animals break you too. So yeah, I bet you guys were sore after all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It took us three trips to get it all out. So when he shot it, we were only a mile from the car. Um, but it took us three trips to get it all out. And the first one was definitely the heaviest trip. Uh, cause we had both hindquarters taken out that time and a couple bags of like uh kind of like scrap stuff uh grind pile stuff but uh yeah yeah we're definitely pretty sore
0: (laughs) knives machetes saws and shears multi-tools shovels swords axes spears hatchets and tomahawks if it cuts snips slices or chops midway usa has it find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives make a statement or create a family legacy With one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives, we've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Honors have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
2: I'm trying to think through um, some of my what I would consider a great accomplishment um, food wise. Um, I have I'm going to steal the floor. I have two, and I'll combine them quickly. So one is um, – so last year's BHA Rendezvous, I cooked the field-to-table dinner, which I chose to do like a Southwest-inspired thing. So I went with green chili. Uh, so I was going to do a wild pork that I got. I saved a whole wild pork quarter from our, um, our wild pig – uh, culinary field to table camp down in, uh, Texas, saved a whole quarter of that, brought it up and, uh, made this green chili, um, with, uh, they use cheese grits, I think on it. Man, I can't remember now. It's been a while. No, uh, we did that and then pinion nuts and all this stuff. And it, it just turned out like really, really phenomenal. Um, but the the thing was it was like 120 people and it's been a, a long time since I've cooked for that many people, like all at once, just like uh solo since back in like my, my early restaurant days. Um, and even still it was like a full kitchen, not just uh, me, but it wasn't just me. Jeff Benda was there too. And I definitely did some assist. Uh, Ryan Callahan helped do a little bit of garnishing. So it was a super fun experience. We got to do this really awesome place. Um, uh, Right outside uh, Missoula, which was just beautiful. And I was stressing like the whole time. I was like, it's not gonna, it's not coming up to temp. It's not boiling. I gotta make sure the pork <laughs> hits the right temperature. It's gonna hit the right temperature. I gotta make it sure it, you know, gets tender and it's not, uh, you know, chewy and all this, and like just all these emotions are going through my head. And then literally in like the last 15 minutes, like the dish just just like came together and um, was just phenomenal. And then in this big giant rush that giant food banquets always are, it just like went out. And then I went up and like, you know, saw everybody's face and enjoyment of like this green chili, uh, wild pork green chili. And just people were like, oh my God, it's so good. Um, And it was super pumped, super excited. Um, And then I think this, the second moment happened at our uh, second wild pig camp here back in December, so it still was 2022, so I'll count it, um, was the opportunity for us to try coyote. And I know we will, if you roll back one episode from this one, you'll hear about Adam Berkelman and I talk about all the delicious food that we we cooked and ate at pig camp. But specifically the opportunity to cook coyote, which I've seen a lot of people do. I myself has never tried it. And the opportunity sort of presented ourselves to us and I was a little nervous going into it and I didn't know what to expect, but it was one of those things that like came through and I was just like, wow, this is, this is great. Part of it, uh, you know, being the flavor of the animal and the second part being the fact that Adam Berkelman's is a great cook, uh, I think definitely added to that. Uh, but was really excited to try it, and we cooked it three different ways, and it was just really, really delicious. Um, so uh, I was happy for that. That was a big accomplishment, and like kind of a got my mind working of like, what other things taste really good that people say taste really bad, kind of deal. So,
3: yeah, nice, nice, great, great use of that because you know, coyote gets such a bad rap, and I I say this because I am. I'm totally novice to the idea. I have a friend who does um, uh, some predator uh, control around his area. And so he's like, oh yeah, I skin him out and then we just kind of like throw the rest in the dumpster. And I keep telling him like, bring me a hide quarter. Let let me let me play with it. Let me try it. And it just, the opportunity has just not been there yet. But at the same time, it's like to, to look at this as far as like utilization, like if we're going to Take this animal. Yeah, if we're gonna control it, like it does need to be controlled. But at the same time, like there's a use for every bit of it, and we we just got to give it a chance. And by you guys taking that opportunity, giving the chance, and like you said, yeah, letting Adam work his magic on it, like all of a sudden something that really was like ooh kind of put everybody's hair on edge. Like man, this actually turned out really good. So I'm really I was really excited to hear that.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, there's definitely like a lot of emotions that went through that. And I don't know, we, we've, we've talked about it a little bit, or we've talked about it a couple times on the show. Just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Very different. I, I am not a predator hunter either. I'm just like, uh, yeah, just kind of haven't, haven't done it. So, um, let's, let's wrap up here real quick. Um, so I'll give you guys the option. Do we want to talk about what we're looking forward to? Or do we want to play Let's Make a Meal? So we can do either probably in about 10 minutes. It's up to you
3: guys. I'm, to Nick for the, for the, to Nick. No, 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 Colin. I'm gonna I'm gonna play guest <laughs> and let you tell me what to do. That's what we're gonna do. So, Colin, <laughs> you are you're getting pushed out on the ledge, man. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs>
2: Uh,
1: yeah let's do let's make a meal
2: all right let me hit the button it's time to make a meal all right there oh, we go man, it's like a That's game it. show i love it right. <laughs> <laughs> the prize is the delicious flavor that we're going to create um I'm, I'm, you know what, on this one, Nick, I'm, I'm not going to scroll. So, normally, how Let's Make a Meal works is that I scroll social media, the, the Harvesting Nature Instagram, and the first like cut of meat or animal or whatever it is I see, and we start from there. But, um, I'm seeking a bit of redemption, uh, in, in the meal. So if you want to give a bit of background on uh, a salmon dish that I helped you put together last yeah. year. And then we'll try to fix it. Yes.
3: Oh, man. So we didn't get to this, but we were going to talk about your uh, wild game cooking's like biggest failures. And, oh, man. This was... I Shoot. I almost gave up cooking altogether. Uh, this dish is... It was helped, inspired by Justin. And I think he really, I think he was hesitant to let, let me do this. I was describing what I wanted to do. And like the look on his face was already like, like good luck, man. Like, <laughs> tell me how it is on the other side. But we, we have good aspirations and I think it can totally be redeemed. I wanted to make a smoked salmon, sweet potato, shepherd's pie. And everything about the flavors worked. Uh, the sweet potato, having a savory sweet potato was was really going to be something that was going to help make this uh, smoked salmon. It was going to be it was salmon that I that was just kind of like floating around in my freezer. It was basically freezer treasure at this point, and something had to be done with it. And so I, I smoked it really nice, and it itself tasted beautiful. So it did have a little bit of sweetness because I'd used some maple. Uh, Uh, excuse me, some uh, maple syrup on that. So it really did have some sweetness to us. It was going to play well with the potato. Onion always seems to go into the dish. Dishes that I make, I just like that little bit of sweetness that it also adds. Um, I wanted to make a cheese sauce that would also kind of like bind it all together. And when I put this thing together, it turned into one mass of soft gooeyness. Like, flavor was there, but it was just like... I mean, you put it in your mouth, and it was just this, like, oatmeal-y... It wasn't even oatmeal. It was just this straight, like, you just swallow You could almost pipe it down your throat. It was so, like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> Like, I want to enjoy this, but I cannot. I, I took one for the team, and I ate this for the week, but I had made such a large portion of it because I thought it was going to fit into this uh, dish that I had. Like, I just had, like, oh, I just dreamed it up. Like, it's going to work, like... I ate half of it and I couldn't eat any more. And so I donated a <laughs> quarter of it to my dogs and a quarter of it to the trash. I finally had to just give up on it. But at the same time, the inspiration of what we're trying to make here is going to be a smoked salmon sweet potato shepherd's pie.
2: Yep. All right. So let's think through this. Um I don't know. First thing I want to do like off the bat is I want to I want to rethink I want to rethink how we're looking at the, at the shepherd's pie as a whole, right? And I just this mm-hmm. this thought sort of came to me, and you guys throw throw comments in here. But instead of thinking about it as a shepherd's pie, maybe let's think about it as the same ingredients as a shepherd's pie, but not plated or created like a shepherd's pie. That way, we don't get the mushy consistency, right? Mm-hmm. You guys, you guys follow me?
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I would have never even thought to make a shepherd's pie with a fish. So I'm sure the texture is a little bit different.
2: Yeah. It's I, definitely I, different. Same way. And <laughs> did you, did you, <laughs> yeah. Did you like, did was the fish, how did you put the fish in, into the dish? How did you incorporate it? And in? was it just like the salmon was laid in the bottom of a pan and you put the potatoes on top of it?
3: Yeah. Well, well I added, cause I, I wanted a little bit of greenery. Um, with the, with the onion. And so I had had an omelet that was, um, spinach, onion, and salmon omelet. It was, and it worked all beautiful. And so that was like that little, like, all right, my filling is going to be this, this cooked onion, uh, wilted spinach and, uh, the smoked salmon. And so those were like the three ingredients. How was I going to like bind that together or how is that all going to come together at the bottom? And I wanted to mix that in with the cheese sauce and the cheese sauce broke because I was too worried about, um, the potatoes that were getting overdone and was going to ultimately end up mushy. Uh, part of it is just my own, my own inex- inexperience and so many things going on. So it's just like a lot of cogs that was going on. But anyway, so I mixed together the salmon, the, uh, the spinach, the onion, and the cheese sauce that was put down into uh, the dish. And then the mashed that I made of the sweet potato that had uh, rosemary mixed in with it because I wanted to go with the savory side of that, that was then just layered on top. And essentially, I think it was probably too thick that I was trying to put this all together. It could have definitely been a lot thinner. But anyway, yeah, it was just the, the concoction on the bottom with the cheese mixture and then layered on top with the sweet potato.
2: So here's here's some thoughts that I have. Let's like let's remove the construction of the shepherd's pie completely. And I'm thinking for I like the green onion, which green onion is in like scallion. Is that what you're you're going with? Okay.
3: Yeah, it was a white onion that I had, but at the same time, like a green onion would definitely add a, a much more potent punch. That that would. So work I work. think.
2: If we're looking at the plate, right, picture a plain white plate. Let's set the tone here. Um, We're going to take the green onion and we're going to make a green onion puree, like super thin, almost like it would be a sauce, right? And we're just going to put that in the center of the plate. Um, And then what I'm thinking is if we want to go smoked salmon or if we want to just do pan seared salmon or take like a filet of the salmon and sear it after it's been smoked really high heat to get a nice like crunch on the bottom and the top and just like maybe lay it in that sauce. And then I think a way to do it that I can think of is take your sweet potato and maybe mash it Uh, With whatever other flavors you want to incorporate, the rosemary in there, butter, you know all that, and do almost like a like a piping bag or something, like little dollops on top of the salmon. So now you've got this smooth texture with your sweet flavor on top, and like as you cut into it with a fork, you're gonna hit the crispiness of the salmon. So the sweet potato, the smoky crispiness of the salmon are gonna match, and then at the end you're gonna like finish it off in this green onion puree
3: I like I where that's going I, th- I like where that's going I would like to see even I don't know cuz after after eating it and really like I I think I just over I overboiled the sweet potato cuz then when the mash I mean shoot textbook as far as consistency goes super smooth mm-hmm. like I mean if it was just a sweet potato dish that you would do, like, your your cinnamon and your, your walnuts and your marshmallows and all that stuff that you cook on it. Like, boom. I hit that right nail on the head. But at the same time, like, it was just way too smooth for that application. And even probably for this, like, even to take that sweet potato and cut them an eighth of an inch thick and go more with, like, a scalloped. And then what I can do is get Ooh, those yeah. in the braise. Get some char on those. Then when I put them on top of the the sam like the salmon fillet that we're that we're going with, I have a little bit of a crunch mm-hmm. on the top. It I, there's going to be a toothiness to that potato that I think is going to hold up well with the salmon. Salmon's going to be flaky anyway, so I don't want anything to overdo on that salmon, but to give a little bit of toothiness, get some char on there that I've already kind of got that. Um, rosemary and butter in there but at the same time scallop those up almost like a fish scale like shoot now we're putting layers together here we've got a presentation here doing the fish scale potato on top then the filet with that puree on the bottom
2: i like it i like it i think that's good colin colin what do you think anything you you would change i mean i can't i don't really have any recommendations you guys the by far the culinary
1: experts in the (laughs) three of us um, yeah, sounds delicious. Like I said, I'm just a fat kid
3: at heart, so if it sounds good, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, you
1: had me at you had me at smoked salmon, so
2: I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> so, I I I like this. Like the green onion puree on the bottom, with a like chunk of salmon on the plate, with like scalloped sweet potatoes kind of on top of it. Both the salmon is kind of charred or charred, we'll say crisp, browned, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, uh, on the bottom and the top, and then the potatoes, too, themselves, as they're kind of scalloped out, are also browned. Like, I think, man, that sounds really good. I feel like you could even, you could put the potatoes on the salmon after it's cooked, and then put put it in the broiler for just a minute to, like, uh, to crisp up the potatoes, like I think that would yeah. be
3: really good. Really really do that up at that point. Yeah, you've already you know cooked them through, but then yeah, like you said, really just sear the top of those. Mhm. Yes.
2: I like it. Yeah, I think I think this may be redemption.
3: I like it. hey 2023 is like the it's not new me not new year new me but new year new (laughs) dish. like let's take what we decided we were going to do back in what was that last january last february and let's just bring that back and be like listen we messed up big time in 22 let's retry that
2: (laughs) yes let's do it all right well unfortunately i think that that puts us at the end of the show. So we'll do a quick, uh, around the room. So Nick, if you've got any, uh, last thoughts you would like to share with us or impart upon our guests, uh, please, please do so.
3: Yeah. Uh, folks, I'm, I'm just excited for what 20, for what 23 is going to give. Like, yeah, we've got resolutions. We're, we're thinking of things that we've, we've done in back in 22. We're reflecting on that. And as we go forward, like, yeah, what are some of the things that we're really, really excited about? Some of them could be writing wrongs. Like, you could think really deep on, like, how what are, what are wrongs in my life that I need to write right now? Or what dish did I create with the aid of friends that I really need to go back and try again? Like, these are amazing parallels that we could have right now. But to be able to take that and try something new, maybe fix something. Um, I think we and one of the things that I had on here as far as like what did you learn from it is like the bad dish is not the end of the world. You make something bad, it doesn't make you a bad cook. It just made, it means you made something not good. and you can always go back and do it again. My dogs are so excited for when I mess up because they love whatever <laughs> I give to them. And so sometimes I kind of mess up a little bit and they get a little bit. And sometimes I mess up a lot and they enjoy smoked salmon for the next two days. So there's definitely, (laughs) there's excitement about this new year. So take full advantage of it. I'm keeping stuff from my whitetails. I kept kidneys and I kept liver and I'm doing stuff with the fat right now. Um, So it's like I'm taking stuff that people normally discard and I'm wanting to try to use that. Getting full utilization. And so that's kind of like what 23 is for me is getting the max that I can. If I'm going to shoot that animal, well, dang it, I'm going to put the responsibility on myself to use every bit of it. Whether people tell me it's bad, whether people tell me it's good, we need to give it a shot.
2: Yeah, perfect. Also, too, we forgot to do it earlier. Uh, Throw a plug in there for your, your podcast, please.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So you'll find me over at the hunted podcast. I'm a part of the sportsman's empire. We're a bunch of guys that, you know, we've all got nine to five jobs. We all work really hard uh, during the day, but we love our passion of being in the outdoors. And so, um, through there, I've been able to, to chat with a lot of people. Um, Kind of the same avenue that Justin's going. I talk to people who are excited about food. I I'm, a, I'm a, people who are excited about wild game and using it to its fullest. Um, so, yeah, head on over and talk to me over at uh, Huntivore Podcast. Um, you can find me on pretty much every platform. Or if you can head over to Sportsman's Empire, you'll find me there as well. That's where you'll find my, uh, my recipes and my blog. I've got just a handful that are there, but we're, we're working on creating a a little volume working on creating a collection there. Um but yeah, if you want to talk to me directly, uh you can find me at uh huntavor on Instagram. Um I'm always chatting on the DMs so as far as com- if you had a question or if you want to poke my brain on something, feel free to go ahead and do that. I'll try to get back to everybody. Um but I also Post the stuff that I'm really excited about. I post the stuff that I I'm doing, and I'll let you know that if it if it worked or if it didn't. I believe I, I talk a little bit about the salmon pie uh, way back when on the stories. I don't think it actually got a post. I didn't want it to live like forever on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's check fair, me out fair. over there, and uh, feel free to feel free to ask me anything.
2: Nice, thank you. Colin, what you got? Last thoughts?
1: Yeah, nothing really uh, groundbreaking for me. Um, Thanks for coming on the show again, Nick. It's it's always nice to talk to you. Um, Yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to uh, what points, what hunts I'm going to put in for next this year and start looking at that stuff, see where I can gather points and where I'm going to try and actually apply for hunts. So that's really it. This is a good uh, first recording of the new year.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. What a thing to celebrate, too. Um, I also think we're, we're coming close. Uh, I think, um, mm, what, 2000, this may be, this is year three. Yeah. We started so in We just celebrated this. Right? De- yeah. December was, uh, yeah. Our well, first episode was December, 2019. So three years.
3: Yeah. Wow. Cheers, fellas. Congratulations.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, uh, w- with that, like 2023, I'm I'm expecting an exciting year. Like we're we're f- almost full out of COVID, I guess if you can call it that, and uh, everybody's That's wanting to do word. in-person things, which is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody's doing in-person things, and I'm I'm excited to get back out and meet with folks and uh, do more hunt camps and cook more wild food and. Uh, engage and chat and visit with people like I I really enjoy that aspect of of all the stuff that we do so I'm glad that that's here and I think like Colin mentioned I'm excited looking forward to what next year's hunting season is going to bring it's my last year in Colorado so I I definitely want to go big Um, and then you know just cook more wild food Uh, I was had a fortunate year last year and got a pig and deer and antelope and uh you know waterfowl season is upon us so it's time to get out for geese and uh i'm just hopeful and looking forward to the new year but i think with everything said the biggest thing is everybody get outside go hunt go fish go find food and then cook it and eat it and enjoy it with friends and family like at the end of the day the uh the resolution should still be the same eat more wild game. that's it so uh, I will leave it with that. Thanks everybody for listening. As always, we'll post our show notes with a link. We'll link uh, to Nick's podcast, the Hunt of War podcast. We'll make sure that uh, we've got a social media handle on there, and you can go follow him and send him messages and ask him how this salmon dish turned out round two. And uh, then uh, once you're done there, make sure you're following us on Harvest Nature and then whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Please punch that five-star button. Leave us a review. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Or, you know, tell us we're doing right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.